Hello and welcome back to the Field Study Podcast, the place for outdoor adventures in the great British landscape. As you can probably tell, we are outside walking again today and we are, we are going to look for something rather special on the outskirts of my village. Now, it may be a little bit of an ambitious mission, um, but we shall see in the fullness of time. I'm sure you'll understand why when we get closer to it. <laughs> but the place that we are going to go and see is a, a beautiful hidden place. Uh, and at this time of year, it's a, a nice place to, to sit and think. Um, and that is what I intend to do today. It is mid-February, the skylarks have just returned and are shouting above me. And today I saw my first hair of the year. So um, good omens all round, I think. And, you know, just signs that spring is on its way. So one of the species that grows here in great abundance, which is one of my favourite plants in the world, coincidentally, is the, uh, the polypidae fern, or the many-footed fern. Now, polypidae grows as an epiphyte, so it grows on other plants or other surfaces. So it finds places that sort of hold the moisture, so it can eke out its living sort of high up on the branches of trees or along walls underneath ivy, um, and it is a beautiful beautiful plant. Um, it is delicate but extremely hardy if it gets the right environment to grow in. Um, and it is sort of an indicator of older forests, these sort of uh, trees which have gnarled bark with grooves in it that can attract the moisture and lichen and moss which sort of allows these other species to grow on them. And yes there is certainly plenty of that around here. Um, I always find woodlands like that really, really calming. When I used to live down in East Sussex, there was a, a patch of woodland that I used to go to almost every weekend um, and after work as well. It sort of became my home from home when I was stalking deer and learning to track. Uh, but yes, that was a mixture of old ash glades and stands of oak with hawthorn that was so old that it stretched right the way up to the canopy these sort of standards it was a it was a magical place and one that i owe a lot of my education to but at certain times of year if you woke up there having camped over the night you could have been forgiven for thinking that you were in a jungle it was a beautiful sort of cacophony just a a sound that is unlike any other um, and there was such life there such intense life in the middle of the South Downs, which is quite a, a bleak landscape. Um, but yeah, I miss it dearly. Well, maybe I'll go back one of these days and uh, do a podcast there or a video. So the thing that I'm going to see today is quite anomalous in the uh, geology of this landscape and it is a miniature inland waterfall. So we don't have any great rivers here on the Isle of Wight. They are um, they're relatively short and meandering affairs with big floodplains. Um, but here on the edge of my village, which is relatively high up, we have a, a brook which um, takes a quite dramatic tumble 
over the top of a, a small limestone gorge and it's probably about 12 feet tall, probably double my height, um, but it is, is beautiful. I find anywhere with sort of moving water has a, a different feeling about it than anywhere else. So I often sort of come here to, to sit and think. Excellent gate noise, if you like that sort of thing. In fact, it's Valentine's Day today. Um, and this was one of the first places that I ever bought Abbey on a walk. So my girlfriend, when we met many, many years ago at a theme park, this is a walk that I took her on. And we sat next to the waterfall and ate dried mango and talked and talked. And uh, the rest is history, really. So it's a place that sort of has a really, I don't know, it has a big sort of personal meaning to me. It's a part of my soul and I, I missed it when we lived away. I'd always, when I came back to visit my parents, I would always um, make a point of coming out and seeing the waterfall. Now, as you can probably hear, the path has turned very wet. Now, this is why this is a little bit of a, an ambitious mission that we're on today. And it's because we have had an extreme amount of rainfall in the last 48 hours. And I'm talking extreme. Near where I work, it was sort of cascading off the agricultural fields and um, coming up through the grates in the road and making little, uh, like geysers, like little fountains. Um, so we've had an incredible amount of rainfall and we've just been gifted like a, a day's weather window. So I've decided to come out and record this podcast. But yes, it means that this pathway down to where I'm going, sort of running like a river. Now, if you follow over on the YouTube channel, this is where I did the Primrose identification video uh, last year. And the year before that, I think I showed you a mint species that grows down here, probably water mint. Um, but at the moment, there is relatively little going on apart from the first fronds of hemlock water dropwort poking through, which is an incredibly toxic plant that I keep on meaning to do an identification video on. Um, I'll probably do that in conjunction with a, an Alexander's video a little bit later on in the season, maybe in about a month's time. Um, so if you're listening to this and you don't watch me over on YouTube, uh, that's where I put out weekly videos about foraging and the outdoor landscape. So if you want to see some of these places that I'm mentioning on the podcast, then go over there and hit subscribe. Uh, it's a lot of fun. There's a good community of us that sort of chat and uh, I don't know, are very active in the comments. So feel free to join in. Yeah, there's loads of primroses poking through. In fact, the ones in my garden are actually in bloom already. Uh, and that's very exciting to me because this year I'm not going to make primrose wine. I am going to uh, sidestep that a little bit and I'm going to make a primrose kombucha, maybe a primrose and honey kombucha. I think that's going to be quite nice. Um, so yeah, if you guys want to, if you make kombucha at home and you want to uh, sort of give that a go, um, we'll be chatting about it a little bit later on in the season. Uh, so yeah, that's something you can do with your primrose flowers at the moment. Um, I'm probably going to chuck a few leaves in there as well for the uh, so that sort of like perfumey florality. I think if you sweeten it enough, that could be quite nice. Oh, there's a primrose flower. Oh, that's good to see. So many signs of spring out at the moment. If you listen there, you can hear the brook 
that runs down the bottom of this valley. I think its name is Ludbrook. If you can hear that, that is uh, just how wet this pathway is at the moment. It's actually running like a cascade itself. Maybe I don't need to go to the waterfall. <laughs> I'm wearing waterproof trainers at the moment, but as soon as I got out of the village and onto the muddy path earlier, the mud just came cascading over the side of them. It's like ankle high. <laughs> oh, so my feet are wet, but warm. It's not a cold day today. And wet and warm is okay in my book. This is a very ancient hollow way that I'm walking down now. Sort of very steep sided and comforting. It's these, these pathways that we create in the landscape by walking them as a species millions and millions of times and driving our sheep and cattle down them. But we always pick routes that are sort of sheltered and as we carve away these, these sort of delves in the ground, they become sheltered in themselves and stop the wind. And it has gone dead still since setting foot in here. I think that's what gives the, um, the hollow way its sort of infamous atmosphere. This is where one of my favourite, uh, this is where one of my favourite chestnut picking spots is down here. But the, uh, the National Trust have fenced off the woodland now, and probably rightly so, to be perfectly honest. I wouldn't want this patch of beautiful old growth woodland to be spoilt by compaction and all these things that humans unknowingly do. Um, I know the hollow way <laughs> that I'm walking down is the result of compaction as well and has created habitat for lots of different fern species and stuff like that, but um, I don't know. When people don't stick to the path, it can mean bad things for the trees and the ecosystem as a whole. So peaceful out today. another little inlet to this sort of riverbed that I'm walking down. It's flowing through the woodland. We've got beautiful herb robert and heart's tongue leaves and bracken ferns growing on either side. In the autumn this is a really really good spot for uh, russulas actually depending on the year. It's a place that I spend quite a lot of time. So this is owned and sort of managed by the National Trust now as part of their wider estate on the Isle of Wight. Uh, but this part in particular doesn't get that much footfall. There's some witch's butter on that tree there. <laughs> what a bizarre organism that is. And there's a dog rose with its hips still on. I shall leave them for whatever other species needs them. I've had my lunch. One of the most beautiful colour contrasts in the world, in my opinion, 
is the, uh, the colour of the spores on the underside of a Polypody fern's leaves against the, the beautiful glossy blue-green of the leaf itself. Is it strange to think about leaf colours so much? I find it preoccupies me <laughs> for most of the year. Because um, as it changes, so does my, uh, so my favourite. Yeah. So the path's starting to dry out here. The brook no longer flows down it. It sort of takes like a hard left down into the, the bottom of the valley. And I am surrounded by a cloud of mosquitoes for the first time this year. I mean, having seen a hair, all the primroses and stuff like that, and waxing on about, uh, waxing lyrical about how much I love the signs of spring. Um, what I didn't mention was the biting insects. But yes, they are out in full force. But better to be bitten now than later on, I think. I think I read that in Sweden, in the early part of the year, what they do is they strip off naked uh, and they take a, a bottle of some strong spirit and they go and stand and just get bitten as many times by the midges as possible. And their body has like a, a huge histamine reaction and swells up and they're itchy for a couple of days. But what it means is, oh no, <laughs> just slipped in the water again. Oh well. Once your feet are wet, they can't get wetter. But it means that when their body is recovered, that the, uh, the histamine responses when they get bitten later on in the year are not so severe. So when a mosquito bites them, it doesn't get as itchy or swell up as much. It's a lot of irritation to have to go through if it's actually a load of nonsense. Um, so <laughs> do write in if you've ever done that. I'll be interested to know. Now we are getting close, and we're also getting close to the bit where the, the path might be the muddiest. Just crossing over a, a bridge into a, a bit of land which is on the edge of sort of a big house, um, a manor house. And it's got these beautiful trees that I think once upon a time were probably planted as part of an ancient hedge. Their root systems sort of grow into each other. Um, I've tried to photograph it a million times before, but they, uh, they just don't want to be photographed. Maybe I'll try again today. The sun's getting low in the sky. <sighs> and I've got a lovely evening of homemade pizza and Prosecco ahead of me, I think. Me and Abby are going to have a very rare night in... So I'm looking forward to that. The low winter sun as it rakes through the trees is sort of catching the, the top branches and turning them gold. Midas touch. Love this time of year. In fact, this used to be one of my dream houses down the bottom here because it has a, a walled garden. High drama happening in the treetops. Yeah, it used to be one of my uh, dream houses down here because it has like a walled allotment garden with a fruit cage in it. <sighs> Maybe one day, eh? But if any of you out there are stonkingly rich and have a huge house with a, an allotment garden that needs tending to, or you need help tending to it, just let me know because I would absolutely love to do that for a living, I think.
texture of the soil here changes dramatically. Sort of goes to this running sand, this, this sort of silt that would have been here. Um, so you can tell that we are getting relatively near our final destination. So it's definitely easier to pass than I thought it would be. So the end of this journey could be quite a lovely leisurely one. Um, I'm probably going to sit at the waterfall until it gets dark and then wind my way home to make dinner um, and call today a success. I think it's important to build time in to reflect in your day-to-day -day existence. Um, especially me, I find the sort of madness of life can catch up with you. And I don't know, especially in the darker months of the year, it sort of seems endless. But it is coming to an end and it is important to think about what that means and think about where you've been and where potentially life might take you. I mean, if any of you out there in the UK are looking for somewhere to go on holiday this year and haven't decided yet, I think that you should definitely put the Isle of Wight on your list, especially if you're into the natural world or find an affinity with um, open landscape. It's small, but in itself, it's sort of a, a microcosm of lots of the, the habitats that you find elsewhere in the UK. So in a week, you can cover everything from estuary to sand dunes to chalk cliffs to limestone gorges, all of this stuff, and study the, the species that go along with it. It's just started to rain ever so slightly though. At this time of year, especially on like a, a mild day, it's that delicate, tentative sort of shower that then passes. And it's not like getting rained on in the middle of December or January when you sort of want to cover up. There's a sort of beauty in knowing that it will pass soon. You can still see the light through the clouds. I spoke too soon. <laughs> oh dear, there it goes, over the top of my shoes again. <sighs> Once again, I've failed to wear the correct footwear. I've never been one for judging the practicality of my clothes, just sort of got on with it. But yeah, I don't know, the mud's just come cascading into my shoe again. But I will not let it detract from the beauty of the place that I'm in. Got to wade through it. Bloody. Ugh. There we go. We are out the other side and approaching the waterfall. Now, this is one of them places that you won't be able to detect until you are right on top of it. And we are getting very close now. It's hidden in a delve in the ground that is surrounded by ancient oak trees, polypody ferns, and is truly magical. It's got an atmosphere to it. Now the first sign that you can hear of it is probably the sound. 
The channel that it flows through is so slim that you can walk into it and the sound just gets louder and louder. That is the beautiful sound of the brook coming crashing over a layer of sedimentary bedrock and onto the gravel down below. As waterfalls go, it is delicate and to some probably not even noteworthy. But here, the sheer drama of it in this very sedentary landscape is just magnificent. And it feels safe here, you know? High-sided banks knotted together with tree roots. I must bring my sketchbook down here at some point during the spring and paint it when the, uh, when the primroses are out. And wherever you are, I think that it's always possible to find these small places that are full of joy or at least find small joy in whatever place you find yourself in. Um, all you have to do is make time. So this week, make some time to stand in awe of something. So there we go, this is where I leave you. Thank you for coming with me on this walk. I'm gonna sit here for the foreseeable future and just enjoy the peace. I'll be back next week with another episode of the Field Study Podcast. And until then, take care. <laughs>